Hey there, and welcome back to By His Grace Marriage Ministry Podcast. My name's Amanda, and today's episode is part two of Intimacy in Your God-Ordained Marriage. In part two, we're going to be looking at um, when intimacy is threatened. So what could be some reasons why, you know, intimacy within your God-Ordained Marriage could be threatened? Before I get started, I just want to go ahead and state that I will be sharing some passages from the book Marriage God's Way by Scott LaPierre, and I do not own the rights or copyrights or anything like that in regards to the book. I am just simply sharing what I feel is in conjunction to the message that I want to share with all of you today. So with that being said, let's get started. So in part one, in yesterday's episode, I mentioned that intimacy and sex is a gift from God. The problem, though, is that as sinful people in a fallen world, we have the potential to ruin anything good God gives us. The other side of that is that there's an enemy out there that opposes anything that comes from God, especially good things, especially blessings. You know, in the enemy, he hates marriage and families. This is clear even in the beginning with Adam and Eve. The enemy will do anything and everything he can to cause division and issues within marriage and family. And um, through my years and time of studying marriage, especially in scripture, one of the things I've seen is uh, one of the biggest areas that the enemy will attack you know, God-ordained marriages is intimacy. Um, Intimacy and um, by just trying to cause any kind of strongholds to come about one or both spouses and it creates spiritual warfare. But one of the biggest ways is the area of intimacy, all right? So let's go ahead and let's take a closer look. Let's look at three of the most common threats that can occur to healthy intimacy within a God-ordained marriage. So intimacy can be threatened by selfish attitudes. Husbands and wives should be committed to satisfying each other, but scripture must also be balanced in light of other scripture. If 1 Corinthians chapter 7 were the only passage considered, people could demand their spouses would satisfy their desires regardless of the way the other person feels. But we have to take into consideration other scripture, such as Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Peter chapter 3. These scriptures mandate love, gentleness, compassion, and deference in the marriage relationship. This is why I was saying in part one that agape love is also important to have within your marriage along with Eros love. So, while it would be unhealthy and even sinful to deprive our spouses for selfish reasons, it can also be equally unhealthy and sinful to be demanding or insensitive toward our spouses. Although the Apostle Paul listed fasting and prayer as possible reasons for abstinence, common sense and simple consideration dictate there are other acceptable reasons, such as sickness or illness, pregnancy, or grief. At times when people are suffering or struggling, they might find intimacy terribly unattractive. And here's the thing. God wants sex to be enjoyable for both individuals. It's a gift from him. 
Selfish and unkind attitudes threaten the joy and pleasure God desires for couples. Let's take a look at another way that intimacy can be threatened. It can be threatened by mismatched desires. Because no two two people are the same, marriages always involve a number of differences that have the potential to cause problems, like finances, parenting, organization, or even promptness. Among these differences are mismatched desires for physical intimacy. There will be times in marriage when one spouse desires sex and the other one does not. You know, there will be times where your marriage will have different seasons. You know, some seasons will be a season of higher frequency of lovemaking. And then there will be other seasons where it's a lower frequency of lovemaking. You know, some examples of that, um, of a, a, let's just look at a lower frequency of lovemaking. You know, it could be, you know, either you or your spouse are ill, you know, God forbid, or you know, one or both of you are burnt out. Maybe the husband is burnt out by overworking so much. Maybe you're burnt out, you know, between the, you know, household chores and the children and stuff. Also, um, if you've just had an addition to your family, if you've just had a baby, um, you're adjusting to that. Or if you have littles, say you have three littles under the age of four, that's a handful as well. So your marriage is going to have different seasons. And depending on the season, is going to more than likely depend on the frequency of your lovemaking. Now, it, it can be frustrating, absolutely, because again, it's important to have it. Um, but naturally, there will be times where it's just going to be very difficult to have that occur as much as maybe you or your spouse or both would like for it to occur. And of course, it's going to cause even more tension and there can be different desires regarding how the actual physical intimacy itself takes place, okay? Now, since, you know, sex should be enjoyable for both spouses, couples should strive to ensure there's a mutual level of comfort regarding expressions of intimacy. Love and respect means caring how the other person feels. And again, this is why it's so important that your marriage has both agape love and eros love, okay? There needs to be unconditional love along with the romantic feelings and, you know, just that whole, you know, seeking your your spouse or desiring your spouse in a sexual way, okay? Now, let's go ahead and look at an example, okay? Let's go ahead and look at a situation that could happen in any marriage, okay? Let's say spouse A desires intimacy, while spouse B does not. While there are no contradictions in scripture, there can be situations when biblical commands would appear to compete with each other. Okay? For example, spouse A might quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that spouses should not deprive each other, perhaps even being insensitive enough to say, I know you don't want to do this, but I don't care. You need to obey God and recognize your body belongs to me, like Paul said. Spouse B might then respond, Why don't you flip forward a few chapters and read about love in 1 Corinthians 13? And Philippians 2 says you're not supposed to look out for your own interests, 
but to esteem others above yourself. So, should spouse A's desire for physical intimacy be satisfied, or spouse B's desire for no physical intimacy? So, I've already gone over in um, previous episodes how God has established a husband's a husband's headship and a wife's submission in order to break a stalemate so that the, the relationship can go forward. The author in this book has also explained that. You know, we've also discussed from 1 Corinthians 7:4 that husbands and wives have equal authority over each other's bodies. As a result, unlike most impasses in marriage, it is not as easy as simply going with the husband's decision. So, for lack of a better way to say it, who wins? And here's the thing. Our marriages, you know, we, we should never look at our marriages as a competition, okay? We need to avoid that, okay? Because then what happens is, you know, husbands and wives, they end up seeing themselves on opposing teams. And that goes against, you know, what God says. We're one flesh, Okay, we can't be one flesh if we're on opposing teams and we're competing with one another. Okay? So, rather than winning and rather than competing, a better approach for each spouse is one that seeks to die to self and please the other. So, for example, if both spouses have this attitude, okay? Say spouse A has the attitude that spouse A will appreciate the effort that spouse B makes to satisfy spouse A's desire for intimacy, even when spouse B does not want to be intimate. Okay? Another attitude is spouse B will appreciate when spouse A puts spouse B's feelings above or ahead of spouse A's desires. I hope that made sense. It's just easier to say spouse A and spouse B so there's no confusion, right? Because it could be, you know, either way, it it could go either way, okay? Um, Now, this approach and these attitudes allows couples to have a strong relationship and more often than not, differences of mismatched desires will, will resolve themselves, okay? One might think that the best marriages exist between two people almost identical in every way. But even the most compatible couple will have a miserable marriage if they are selfish. The healthiest, most joyful relationships consist of people who are the most giving, selfless, and sacrificial. Again, this is why agape love is so important in a marriage. This applies to every area of marriage, including intimacy. With that said... Let's throw out two important disclaimers. If I had to suggest erring on one side or the other, I would recommend erring on the side of satisfying your spouse. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 7 commands husbands and wives to satisfy one another, but there are no competing scriptures telling believers that they do not have to satisfy their spouses. Yes, we have considered biblical instruction regarding being loving, compassionate, and considerate toward our spouses, but those verses do not relate directly to intimacy. We have direct commands to please our spouses, but any verses we might think give us an out from pleasing our spouses must instead be inferred. 
A direct command should always carry more weight than verses that require inferences. Consider the results of both courses of action. The potential consequences of not satisfying your spouse far outweigh the consequences, if you want to call it that, of satisfying your spouse. There are not many drawbacks to pleasing your husband or wife, but the Apostle Paul said that when people go without physical intimacy, they are subjected to greater temptation. And I did go more into that in part one. Okay. Let's look at the third way that intimacy can be threatened within a God-ordained marriage, okay? Intimacy can be threatened by impurity. Of all the gifts that God has given us, sex might be the most perverted. This is even more tragic when we consider that intimacy is most enjoyed when couples have pure hearts and minds. People who reserve all of their desires and passions for their spouses will have the healthiest sex lives, and this is why impurity is one of the greatest threats to intimacy. I also want to add something as well. This is another reason why it's so important, um, and this is for those of you who are still single or you know maybe you're courting, you're not in your marriage union yet, okay? Let me encourage you with this when it comes to purity. It is worth saving yourself for your spouse. Let me tell you why. Number one, you don't want to commit sexual sin. Whenever you have sex with anybody other than your spouse, okay, you're committing sexual sin, okay? You're committing fornication because you're outside of a marriage union. You're committing adultery at the same time because you're doing it with somebody that is not your spouse. So at the same time, you're committing adultery and you're committing fornication. A lot of people think adultery and fornication are the same thing. They're not. Fornication is any kind of sexual activity outside of a marriage union. Adultery is being unfaithful to your spouse through sex and through other ways. Okay? So when you are, you know, being intimate with someone that you're, you're neither married to, okay, and it's not your spouse. You're doing both. It's a sexual sin, okay? The other thing of why I highly encourage you to remain pure until you are married is because, let me just tell you, <laughs> and I'm trying to think of how to put this without being TMI or, you know, inappropriate or something like that, but let me tell you, it is worth the wait, What you will experience that first time that you come together with your spouse will be like nothing you've ever experienced before. And I can guarantee you that what's going to make it even more, you know, uh, a blessing and and even more exciting and, and pleasurable and special is the fact that your spouse knows that you've saved yourself for them. This goes both ways. I'm talking to men and women, okay? What greater gift can you give your spouse than knowing that, you know, you've saved yourself for them, okay? It's worth it. Do not let the hype in the world of, oh, you're missing out or, you know, you're lame because you haven't been with anybody and, you know, and all these kind of things, okay? Practice self-control. Save yourself for your spouse because remember, your body belongs to them. Okay, 
Think about it this way too. Every time you sleep with somebody that is not your spouse, you're giving away a piece of yourself to that person. By the time you and your spouse come together, depending on how many times you've slept with people, what do you have left to give to your spouse? Think about it that way. Your purity is a special gift that you give to your spouse the first time the two of you come together. Okay? I just wanted to share that as a source of encouragement. So in any discussion of impurity, pornography almost immediately comes to anybody's mind. Okay? Um, you know, it's it's a huge thing. Okay? Um, that can really steal away our purity and just really cause us to have a negative outlook on sex altogether as well. Um, you know, and, and pornography can become an addiction. It can, uh, you know, just really affect you yourself as a person and then it can affect your marriage in some really major ways okay we also have to be concerned with what we set our hearts thoughts or feelings on while there's nothing wrong with having friendships between genders we should be cautious of becoming too close with those of the opposite sex even if your feelings for someone are pure and healthy you cannot control how someone may feel towards you and you, you do not want to become the object of someone else's misplaced affection. It is best to err on the side of caution and avoid becoming the good listener or shoulder to lean on for a friend of the opposite sex. And I did make mention of this in my first episode as well. So this is especially true with married friends who should be pursuing such relationships with their spouses. Um, so the author adds here, and I want to share this. He says, recently I have learned of three prominent ministry leaders who experienced moral failures because of their relationships with the opposite sex. More than likely, each situation began with casual friendships that escalated after becoming too close. Much of this has to do with contentment. Many in secular society view contentment as they view love, as a feeling or emotion over which they have no control. The Bible, however, presents contentment the same way it presents love, as a decision. In marriage, we choose to be content or discontent with our spouses, the way our spouses look and what our spouses offer us. And this is illustrated in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It reads, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. A number of words reveal the pleasure God wants us to experience with our spouses. Blessed, satisfy, enraptured. We have the choice to feel these ways towards our spouses and that is communicated by the words rejoice. Let her satisfy you at all times. Always be enraptured with her. These words are commands we these words are commands we can obey or disobey. Husbands and wives can choose to be content with their spouses, but only if they are pure. The couple in Song of Solomon only had eyes and feelings for one another. They were completely content with each other. As a result, their physical intimacy was healthy and joyful. And with that being said, you know, I have to just add this. 
It's another reason why counterfeit relationships never work either. Because usually within a counterfeit relationship, there's always going to be something that's missing. There's going to be something that one person or the other is going to feel like there's something missing. And remember, in my episode, when I was talking about counterfeits, I was talking about, you know, especially when you have a calling, when you have a purpose that God has given you, you can only go so far when you're with a counterfeit. It completely blocks you from from walking into that. And that's when you start to feel discontentment. You know, you're starting to feel like you're stuck in the same old rut. Nothing's getting better. The relationship isn't getting better. You're not getting any better, you know? This is another reason why I can't express enough the issues of, you know, being in a counterfeit relationship. And in my next episode, I'm actually going to be talking a a little more about um, counterfeits, you know, how to tell the difference between a counterfeit person or relationship, um, you know, and then how to be able to tell when, you know, the person that you are considering or that you are talking to is in fact the one that God has for you. So that will be in the next episode. Stay tuned for that. That is it for part two of intimacy in your God-ordained marriage. I hope and pray that it has blessed you and that it will help give you understanding and encouragement. And of course, I pray that, you know, your marriage never reaches that point. But if it does, you know, of course, take it to God in prayer and, you know, just go back and, and, and listen to this episode if you need to. And, um, And again, pray about it and God will help you with the rest. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk with you all in my next episode.